Hi, and welcome to the Miseducation of the SLP. I am your host, Ingrid, and I am back again with my girl, Ashanti. Hey, hey. So, it's been like a whole like couple days since I recorded with you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What have we done in that time? What major life changes have occurred? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, I know that um hating men has been a topic, you know, for a moment there because God knows they're disrespectful to marriage sometimes. Oh girl. Don't get me started. That's that's a whole nother podcast. Not even this one. Like I could, I could launch a whole nother one, but we won't do that. Mm. We won't do that. Listen, we we hit, we struggling out here sometimes when we make choices that we don't agree with. Now I am not the person with the husband, so <laughs> I and pretty soon I won't have the husband. So here <laughs> we go. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Ears with that one, I was like, you went all the way. I blew out the ears. <laughs> so I have been, um, I interviewed an RN, and I've been kind of scouring the RN world, and I realized for the registered nurses out there, there is a huge struggle in one field and a huge financial boom in another field. And the reason I started looking at them is because of the significant difference in the experiences of nursing across different settings in um, the medical uh, aspect of things. Because hospitals obviously are charged with this need for nurses. There's such an intensity of needing them, but at the same time, there is a lot of frustrated nurses out there on top of being happy nurses. And there's, um, with New York, I just recently heard they plan, we even during this time of needing nurses to fire nurses if they are not vaccinated. Yes, I saw, um, actually quite a few people have shared out, you know, some, some headlines regarding this in New York. And I mean, I just find it insane that a year ago, everyone's trying to, to attach a cape or some sort of superhero outfit to each and every one of them. And now they're getting fired or laid off or put on suspension. Like what, what is going on? Now, there's a lot of discussion about people really needing to get vaccinated. And I know as healthcare providers, there's a huge percentage that supports and push for vaccination. And I do not have any concerns whatsoever about that perspective. Right. My problem is that healthcare professionals are required to wear PPE, personal protective equipment. Mm -hmm. And most patients in certain aspects are also wearing their own masks. And we're coming across this experience where I'm like, do we not believe in the science of personal protective equipment anymore? Right, right. Why, why the push to mandate it or, you know, strongly recommend wearing this all again, but then also requiring the healthcare workers to get the vaccine. 
Because in the beginning, there was no vaccine and there was direct patient care. Right. Myself included. I, I have popped into a COVID unit without a vaccination thing anywhere near me when I originally, you know, was doing some occasional, because at the time I was doing other another role, but I had instances where I needed to go into COVID units and treat patients because I specialize in mechanical ventilation utilization and I'm really great at critical care. It's something that I'm comfortable with and I know how to wear an N95, a mask, a shield, Mm -hmm. goggles, and a gown and gloves. I know how to do all those things. That's what was protecting me and protecting the patient. So I'm really with such a shortage in the realm of nurses mind boggled by this experience that they're literally firing them if they do not receive the vaccination. Right. And to take that just a teensy step further, it's not like there is a shortage in PPE now. Not at all. I mean, it's readily available. It's almost in a surplus because of the, you know, the boom and the push to to create more and get it out to everyone. So abundant. abundant. (laughs) Right. So what are we doing in terms of a society with this like pressure centered thing? Because a skilled nurse deserves the opportunity to be able to properly work with the safety measures in place. You can absolutely offer COVID testing regularly. You Mm -hmm. can offer some type of alternative. When I didn't want to take the flu shot, which I did not take for nine out of 12 years of my career, because the first three years I kept getting ferociously sick and I ended up finding out that I had allergies. It was something that I was like, you want me to wear a mask? I got you, no problem. But there's like no alternative from what I'm seeing in New York. They're like, we don't care that there's a possibility. We don't, we don't value. I feel like it's a message of like, we don't value you if you don't comply. Right. It's, it's a slap in the face, especially like you said earlier, at, 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 at the very beginning of this, there was direct patient care, just wearing whatever PPE they can get their hands on. And back then they were heroes and they were revered and everyone was honoring them and people are throwing free lunches at them, you know, just providing it to them in any which way possible. And now it's like, okay, well, too bad. So sad. You're out of a job. Like this is no, no way. No way. It's really, it's really, I'm not even gonna lie. It's fucking with me. (laughs) It's fucking with me. I'm, I am, I'm officially fucked with. (laughs) Because I value science fully in so many realms, and I know there's inconsistencies in science depending on the perspective. Mm -hmm. I understand that fully. I recognize there are holes in, in, in science because let's discuss the opioid crisis where there was like some type of misstep in medical physicians' minds in regards to the science behind opioids and their pressure or their push or their direction to give everybody opioids because of the encouragement of pharmaceutical companies that led to a very and still prevalent issue with 
overdosing because of the aspects of opioids being so incredibly addictive. A well-known fact. Right. But they were just bamboozled, like, oh my gosh, how can you bamboozle doctors? Simple. Dollars. Dollars. Mm-hmm. Dollars. You, know, you fill their pockets and unfortunately a very good percentage of them will will just do the dance that they're that you're asked they're being asked to do Mm -hmm. and it really guided um a lot of things that are implemented in hospitals there is not a discipline that does not discuss a patient's pain level it is significantly discussed to Mm -hmm. such a high caliber because it's like okay we really want to be able to manage that and address that it just and it's just a scenario where I keep going to well, science is one thing, but we operated medically in a different way. But I and I feel that way right now. Science is saying that pr- protective personal protective equipment is effective in protecting you. Right. And that's true science. So, so why, why are we ignoring it? Why are we acting like it's ineffective and it doesn't exist? Correct. And this is my concern for nursing. This is my concern for any discipline, especially when it comes to providing patient care. We do not at all want to contract and provide our patients with a disease. That is not any healthcare professional's interest. At all. At all. There are anti-vaxxers. I know. They're out there. They're like, woo! You know, but I don't know that... Every single person that is choosing not to get vaccinated is an anti-vaxxer or is that extreme about it. Some people have natural immunity, which we don't ever take into consideration like that shit doesn't exist when it does. Immunologists all over the world will tell you that that's possible. Yeah. The other piece is the component that, you know, when it comes to your ability to maintain your own safety by making appropriate choices, staying out of, you know, troubling environments, like all those things, you don't know what people are doing or what are they putting up with. We have such harsh, harsh judgment Mm -hmm. because we're emotional. Yes. Well, speaking of people being emotional about it, it's also to the point where healthcare workers, and I believe it was an article out of Nebraska that I was reading it's also to the point where healthcare workers are fearful of being beat up, jumped, um, just accosted by people in in their own workplace, you know, families and, and, you know, family members and people that cannot go in and see their loved ones because of, because of, because of um, limits to how many people can come in and visit or because of limitations as far as every visitor must be wearing a mask or else or they're not allowed in so it's it's it goes even further than this uh vaccination mandate it goes it it goes into their health i mean excuse me their their safety and well-being and that's in that sense absolutely so after hearing this as much as SLPs go through something, I want to talk about a sister discipline, registered nurses. And I did an interview with a registered nurse who's actually fresh in the game because I felt like, you knew to this. Let's talk about it. And boy, Ashanti, this man had some things to say. Oh, okay. 
I'm ready. Okay, Ed, the new grad who I am just, like my eyes got real big when we started having this conversation, kind of put me in a position where I am actually, like I already have my own personal experiences with medical doctors that make me go, hmm. But (laughs) I realized that nurses have their own experiences with medical doctors that make them go, oh, hell no. I was going to say it better be more dramatic than the hmm. (laughs) I I had my troubles, as we all know, because episode seven talked about it. And we don't rehash it over and over and over again. But I will. And I will say, listen. These doctors out here thinking they can do everything, despite the fact that there are other sciences next to them that are just advanced. Like they don't study what we study. I've said this multiple times over, and I just will never agree that somebody should oversee you that doesn't know anything about what you do. I cannot agree with that. That's the dumbest level of hierarchy I've ever heard in my life. And y'all can judge me for it. Judge me. Because if you've never in your life studied a modified barium swallow study to the thoroughness that I have where I have identified every structure and to the, to the, how, what is happening to everything. You Mm -hmm. cannot come to me and tell me that somebody aspirated. You will have a difficult time. Now it is not my, even my expertise to say when somebody aspirated, cause I don't know. It's guess. It's a pure guess. Cause I was not there during that time in that space. But nurses say it, doctors say it, everybody says it like it's the easiest thing to, to, to just correlate. And I'm like, okay, good for you. But what when I did my video, that was not the problem. Right. <laughs> when I did my x-ray, everything looked good. You know, it's one swallowing time. I get it. Things can adjust. Right. And in the floral suite, everybody is sitting up nice and alert, upright. You know, well, I don't know if they're always alert. Most of the time they're alert because they need to follow instructions, but they're sitting <laughs> up there in the optimal 90 degree position. You know, all that stuff is happening. That does not necessarily always correlate with the hospital bed and how, <laughs> how the person gets fed. So I get it. There is right. Some- I was I was going to say a lot of times it's just one spoonful. And, you know, if anyone if anyone watches me eat popcorn, it's not it's not one little popcorn at a time. Mm. I'm shoving that in my face. I'm sorry. That's that's how you eat popcorn. <laughs> Correct. So there's a lot of variations that happen, and I get that, and I'm not going to sit here and argue right. fully, but you cannot tell me I don't know what I'm doing when you have never studied the science. Like, I can't do that. I can't. You've never been in this in this space. So anyway, that's a digression. So Ed, <laughs> as I was talking to Ed, you know what I'm saying? Ed was just doing his thing graduated in December of 2020. December of 2020 was after COVID hit. Oh, wow. So COVID had occurred through the nursing program. And when you're going through the nursing program, you're supposed to have clinicals. But during COVID... They just got thrown to the fire, didn't they? They got no clinicals. It's just, let's talk about it. Let's just pretend in our mind. And what does every healthcare professional know? You don't get shit until you get in front of a patient. Right, right. You need your clinicals to help you get there. And that's just not what was offered during the year of COVID. So you have him coming out with his bachelor's degree, Kaiser University, bam, bam, bam. With a scholarship, mind you. I was like, well, damn. Okay. 
You get a scholarship to a private school? I can't even be mad at you. I know. Applause, applause. Absolutely. And, you know, went through the process of actually getting a job offer before he finished um, taking his board exams because he needed to do exams in February. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a scenario that you know kind of the cart was before the horse. So there's actually additional pressure. You get your degree, you you need to take your exams, um, but you already have a job like waiting for you. Like we want you, and it's a non for profit hospital. So okay. you're thinking non for profit, it's gonna be dope. Like you guys may offer something you know very different. And I had asked Ed, I was like, why nursing? Why'd you choose that? And it was real clear, both his parents were nurses and he just felt like healthcare was the space for him. It is where he belonged. So fast forward, passed the boards, did not really study because, you know, everybody's just brilliant when it comes to. (laughs) Because everyone's on scholarship, right? Right, we just just, just out here being brilliant. started the job in March. And because there weren't enough clinicals provided, this job actually offered a program that assisted with building the necessary skills for direct patient care. Because it was really clear that the nursing students of 2020 just did not get what they needed. Right. So preceptors were assigned, which is phenomenal the amount of support and that's fantastic and i think that that's really beautiful of the organization to provide that kind of uh, one-on-one support for Mm -hmm. your grad yeah no that's incredible and and i i imagine it also serves the purpose of kind of uh covering them when it comes to liability Um, i'm not a hundred percent sure but i do think that that is a valid point i didn't even consider that (laughs) I didn't even fucking consider that. Look at you. Just seeing the benefits all the way around. Yes. I just thought it was a generous thing to give. No, I mean, it, it was great for Ed, but then also for the organization. It, it, it offers a, a layer of protection for them as well. Yeah. And the preceptor was amazing. And when I say amazing, I mean amazing. Just, okay, you are a nurse I'm giving you the confidence of that idea. You've got your bachelor's degree. You're doing what you need to do. I'm going to start you from day one, getting you that education that you really need. You know what education they don't get during graduate school? What's that? All of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, when I when I say graduate, I meant that I meant to get the bachelor's degree, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I like there are certain things you're given the foundation and this is a thing i keep hearing repeatedly like universities and 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 in college we don't give that kind of stuff we just give the foundation great i get it but how do you go from your program that is teaching you about having nice wonderful stable patients with an eight to one ratio of course relatively high but you know not insane right to a covid unit where your patient can die tomorrow yeah that the the learning curve is swift in that in that scenario hunty hunty (laughs) yes it is significant this experience of going holy shit 
I don't know nothing about this. Like, what just happened? Oh my gosh. I went from point A to point dead. Like, the COVID is not a light diagnosis and can turn a medical experience on its head in ways that people may not believe, but is really sincerely true for the nurses that are providing the care. Right. And for him, it was a situation where it's like, not only do I not know how to deal with practicing nursing care with a gazillion levels of personal protective equipment, Mm -hmm. because I'm sweating my ass off and I'm tired. (laughs) I'm pushing meds. I'm doing all this stuff. But I'm also in a space in a position where I have to talk to families that cannot come into the hospital, high stress. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm five minutes into this career. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine he did not encounter too many families that were super understanding. You know, a lot of times, you know, that, that, that saying don't kill the messenger. A lot of times people were trying to kill the messenger. <laughs> As we can see with the attacks that are happening in New York. Yes. And it's just really, yeah, I cannot imagine. We thought we felt like fish out of water once we were done with our program. Listen. Boy. Listen. (laughs) Not only are you not taught how to talk to families, how to deal with critical patients in this very precarious time, you're also not taught how to talk to doctors. Oh, yeah. Because experience is what tells you what you should recommend, how you should talk to them, what you should guide. But here is the horror story of all of it, which I need to infuse in this next eight minutes because I feel like it needs to be told. Okay. Part of the experience, let me just be clear. This is not every doctor. However, there are patients that are out there crashing Mm-hmm. And literally having codes called, hey, doctor, hey, doc, the, the physician should be rushing in to save this patient. You know what they're not doing? Even walking into the room. What's that? The doctors are not walking into the room. Oh, <laughs> at all. They're not going into the room when the patient is coding. Doctors are the ones to run codes. No, they're so, not. So this new COVID unit rooms, they are standing outside. So this noob, this newbie is just having to deal and take direction from the doctor that's waiting the, in the hallway, watching from a window. I don't even know if it's watching from a window. I don't know what the doctors are doing. They're just not oh. in the room running the code because it's a COVID unit. What? No. Yes, girl. Wait, yes. And then hold on. And then so this this patient codes and this patient unfortunately passes away. Who's making the phone call to family? The doctor. Is that on Ed too? No, no. The doctors call because it's required. It's it's Okay. It's I was about to say that is some mm. But 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 the patient did not necessarily I mean, I guess the emotional fatigue of watching this diagnosis do so many things to people can affect the capacity of any person. But who can't give up 
are the practicing nurses, respiratory therapists, or whomever is in the room providing direct care. Okay. I And I'm going to say this because I've seen it in the nursing home setting. When someone is coding and you have to sit there and they don't have a, D, a do not resuscitate in place, there is a nurse on top of this person going ham and they can't stop. They are not allowed to stop. So I can't imagine... I cannot imagine somebody that's five minutes into this profession dealing with this day in, day out, because I'm sure it wasn't once a day, twice a day, probably several times a day of people coding when this was all at its height. And the doctor's not even in the room? Not willing to walk in, girl. Not willing to walk in. Ay, Dios mío. (laughs) Get it. Let that Puerto Rican come out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Like, Actually, that deserves an Ave Maria Purissima, okay? Oh, when I listen to the story of Ed and he's saying, girl, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what's up. Like, <sighs> don't walk in. And you, you're really relying on your other nurses and you're doing whatever you can to try to help the patient. And of course, inevitably, they're going to code to a high percentage but the course of the medical care across of, across it for some doctors, and like I said, I want to emphasize, this is not every doctor, but this is also not the first time I've heard about unethical behavior from physicians. And we also need to acknowledge that they're not always the heroes in the room. My personal experience with some of the physicians I've encountered, they're not mm-hmm. always the heroes in the room. They sometimes make choices that are not actually patient-centered, not actually appropriate, and based on a culture that is really inappropriately skewed. And I understand that. So recognizing that and hearing this new grad five seconds into it, because let me tell you, starting in March is not, I mean, you just, you want, You want more support in the circumstances of your medical team to do what is needed to make the patient's outcome as optimal as possible. There is so much to it that I feel like people lose out on their family members because the care isn't provided at the optimal level. I even have a good friend who made it perfectly clear to me that he felt his family member did not like died because he wasn't provided the appropriate physical therapy. He wasn't provided the appropriate mobilization early on in the diagnosis because he himself is a doctor of physical therapy. He's aware of the practices that need to occur that properly need to help to optimize the success rate. And he did not feel that his own personal family member got that and they ended up dying. Wow. And there is that inclination within you when you're a medical professional, when you're in that arena and you're saying to yourself, I know that this possibly could have been prevented. Mm -hmm. I know that it's possible. I don't know that it would have been, but I know that it's possible if we had just tried to implement A, B, and C, because I know my medical information really well. I'm really thorough. I'm not a doctor, but I do know my shit because I'm a medical dis- I'm a medical discipline that's in here that needs to know things thoroughly. 
the possibility that you could have survived if they had done the implementation yeah. of things that were health healthful. That's what I call it. Healthful. You know, wow. it, it just really gets to you. So I'm watching the idea of this. I've experienced physicians as well during the uh, COVID pandemic be rumored as like they're actively killing patients with their apathy over the whole experience. I've heard this from nursing um, comrades. I, it, it just, it, it aches me because some of these numbers don't have to be present if there's just a higher involvement in doing accurate and appropriate healthcare. And when I read the book, Uncaring, by Dr. Robert Pearl, he was mm-hmm. like, if we had just handled hypertension, diabetes, cardiac issues with appropriate medical incentives, like if you prevent it, you get more money. Mm-hmm. If we just done that, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have nearly what we experienced during this pandemic. We would have had mm-hmm. an entirely different outcome. Right, right. But as I'm thinking about Ed, I'm like, oh my God, oh my gosh. Like, how did you feel when you were seeing these things? And to be honest, he was like, well, it was kind of one of those things you you just brush off. Because like, what do you say? You can't argue with a doctor. There was a doctor that walked in after getting vaccinated without a mask into the hospital. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But no one probably questioned this doctor because he or she carries the title of doctor. And we. So oh, what do you dear. really say? You don't feel comfortable. Not to, I mean, you're five seconds into your career, but you're looking at everyone around you and they're not saying anything. So you like mesh into the culture of what you're seeing. Right, like, right. You follow suit because you don't want to be called out for an experience or called out for being inappropriate. Right. And you don't want to deal with the wrath of, of, of a really rude doctor. That's right. not fun. I experienced that, which is why, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my life, yeah, you know, dot, dot, dot. My life is what it is. <laughs> so in that, you know, I understand irritating an irritable doctor. So mm-hmm. it was the opinion of the doctor that because they were vaccinated, boom, I don't have to wear a mask anymore. And you're like, what? It's still hospital policy. Like, I don't understand what you're doing right now. Yeah. However, the doctor ended up yielding to the culture and, and and started wearing the mask after a while. But I do think that that had to also do with physician culture because most physicians wear their mask, if not all of them in the, in the acute setting. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you just never know what you're walking in on. Yeah. You, 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 just, you really just never know. Like you're the one trying to figure out what's going on with this patient. So if you're not protecting yourself, you know, you're not going to last very long. Mm-hmm. And I think it's ultimately one of those situations where you're like, I get that you're vaccinated and I appreciate that you think that that's uh, your superhero cloak, but that's not science either. Like, <laughs> so, right. So that that's what makes medical physicians um, or medical doctors 
uh, a room for ambiguity. There are some that are great. There are some that aren't. And we do need to allow for the humanity of that. We cannot just carte blanche, assume the doctors always know what they're talking about. Just right. because they have a medical doctorate, that's no longer appropriate in my personal opinion. And I will never yield to that because that's just a hierarchy that was established based on the idea that the rest of us are just fumbling around not knowing what we're doing. And I can't yeah. concede to that anymore. So. Uh, I, You know, another thing that is kind of blowing my mind is the fact that Ed is just able to continue going to work every day <laughs> in this hot mess of a situation. I mean. Girl, it helps that there's four days off. Let me just say. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is helpful. Yeah. <laughs> That it, sure. it's a hard reset there's there's some like you know increased shifts like okay i might pick up one here or there but ultimately there is the component like i you know i understand nurses get can have significant breaks in their shifts and another component he was like i'm making enough because of when i came into the game I, there are people that are twice my age making the same or less than me and i feel comfortable in that and that that security that um mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. financial stability was a mm -hmm. benefit on top of the fact that should you not the the trenches mentality of the colleagues the preceptors the the other people that are you're surrounded with just rallied around and was like we're in this shit together yeah and that yeah. type of support and love will keep you going back to work every day. Listen, when the money is right, when when the environment is right, environment meaning, you know, who you work with, when the support is right, that's, is, that's a very motivating thing. You show up. You continue showing up. Absolutely. Camaraderie to me is what makes a situation because a job can be horrific. Mm -hmm. You know that you are suffering with everyone else. Mm -hmm. you can kind of make it through that's how slavery lasted for so long in my opinion like oh <laughs> they all had each other's back they're like we got this <laughs> oh my gosh like we all suffering together okay i guess we can just kind of you know power through but i i do recognize that when you suffer to that degree or when you feel the pain of how healthcare has just pressure cooked the healthcare providers the healthcare professionals to this degree where you're working your shift making your little whatever dollars you're making because you know he is a hired employee and you're rubbing up against a traveler that's like i'm making three times that yeah uh i know what that feels like yes you do not for very much longer though but that's another episode fight for your shit fight for your shit let it be fun so oh, I, I think it was really important. Um, you know, I really, I spent some time kind of delving into the psychology of it all. Um, and when I really came, when I really came to what was the miseducation, it had little to do with actually the basics of nursing because the basics of nursing were provided. The basics of nursing were absolutely there it was a great education and it was exactly what you needed to have your foundation. But clinical practice, I think, and experience is uh, what Ed really highlighted. Like this is the way to learn my job really. So I didn't mm -hmm. get that necessarily from school, 
but I do wish I was given the education on how to talk to families or how to talk to doctors in certain aspects. Because I mean, how do you talk to a distraught parent or a distraught, um, you know, loved one for a pediatric or an adult patient that happens to be in a COVID unit that is challenged with being able to know what's going on because they're external. Right. Right. I made it as a practice, as an SLP, to set aside time to call every family member that I saw of the patient that day if it was a time when visitors were not allowed. Wow. Because I know how difficult it is for physicians to call, nurses to call. They're overwhelmed. I mean, just a recent example, he goes to work, he's doing his job, a couple nurses have to leave. You go from a manageable day to an unmanageable day because they've just added two to three more patients on your caseload or not caseload, but on your, on your day, on your day for you to manage. And they're Mm -hmm. not even in the same fucking hallway, girl. Mm. So you're running around PPE for this one. No PPE for this one. PPE for this one. No PPE for this one. Like you're jumping between your COVID patient versus your non-COVID patient. And you're just running around with your head cut off. And there's so much unsafety to all of it. I mean, there were even experiences that I've heard where for nurses that were trained in med surge, they're getting patients on mechanical ventilation, which has a completely different medication source, a completely different charting aspect because it was so overwhelming. And you're like, I'm supposed to manage this. I don't even have the appropriate education. I'm given five seconds of education to do this. All of this is what's truly occurring in the hospital environment. And it's charged, it's emotional, it's significant. And you have to go home with that and then wake up and go back to work the next day. And you are not prepared for any of it based on your education. You weren't even warned that it's even possible. And then on on top of that, you get a family member like, what's going to happen? Is there going to go to an event? Oh my God, I can't take it. This is so hard for me. Like, tell me something. Like the doctor hasn't called me and I don't know what's going on. And I just want to hear something. And you are new. Oh. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What do you do with that? Like, what do you, What do you do? What do you do with that? You don't know what to do with that. That is such pressure. And to be honest, Ed was like, I'm shy. Like, I'm not out here in this world just like, woo, bold, unlike me, because Ingrid just like, okay, I'll talk to anybody. What? Okay, that's what I have to say. But I'm 12 years into this career. You fall apart. No, and and in most cases, when somebody's having just a really severe heightened emotional reaction to something the majority of human beings don't know how to compute they just i don't know what to do this is awkward do i try to hug do i console if it's over the phone what do i say you know how can i how can i uh disengage this person how can i bring them down a level that is not typically something that's trained that's something that's learned with time Right? If at all, where is my pre-built script? I want my right. pre-built script to talk to somebody that is literally like, I don't want him to die. I just, I want him to get better. And I just, I need him. Like, what? Uh, yeah. 
And then the other facet of this, Ingrid, is you, Ed, on the phone listening to this, you've got eight other patients to go check on and make phone calls for, and you don't want to cut her off. Correct. <laughs> what do you do? Correct. So oh, goodness. ultimately, I was like, Ed, do you regret it? Like, are you... <laughs> do you regret being a nurse? And honestly, the answer was no, I don't regret it. Wow. Because it gave confidence where there was none. You know, that shyness that originally was present is not there anymore. The, the, the ability to be a good nurse and be able to go in there and take care of patients at whatever, like you can hear a screaming patient, you just walk in, you, it's not even your patient, but you just walk in and go, what can I do? What's up? You know, that confidence, that movement to be able to navigate in this new space, that time, this very high pressure time mm-hmm. created a diamond, in my opinion, because wow. it allowed for someone to experience things at such high velocity. But instead of breaking, they shined. Ugh. And I think Ed is that component, is that person who took in everything and shined Mm -hmm. and is continuing to grow in such a way and recognizes their own growth in it. And I think for him, that is, is in, it's so important. It's so significant. And it's something that I highly respect, value and appreciate because I know what it's like to be under pressure Mm -hmm. and, and, and overcome it. Yeah. So Ed's just over here owning it. Absolutely. Just, you know what? I can only do what I can do mm-hmm. at the level that I can do it. And although there's still nerves, there's still moments of insecurity, ultimately the confidence has been built. There's right. been a financial stability that is appreciated, even in the comparative components of other nurses bragging about the fact that they're getting traveler salaries. And all at, at such a young age of 21, you know, having the ability to say, I am more financially stable than someone who's 50, 45, you know, yeah. that is a huge boost to making you feel like you're a valuable member of society that offers a lot. And so I deeply respected that perspective. I thought, wow, you took something that could look like rotten eggs and you just pulled out the most positive point of view. And I am fucking here for it. Thank you so much for being a healthcare provider because we need the people like you in it. Gosh, that (laughs) insane. Ed is just owning, owning his expertise. Hello. I mean, no matter what, he knows more than someone who's not a nurse. Right. And that is valuable. And the fact that he feels that way because he has an appropriate collective of people around that support and encourage the growth and education of it all. I am like, yes, I want that for you. I want you to understand that although healthcare is kind of going down the toilet in being what it's supposed to be, you have people that go, no, 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 
we're going to support you and get you through this experience. So mm-hmm. I was down for this story. I wanted to share the story. And I hope everybody who listened that are SLPs and hopefully that are nurses and OTs and PTs, because, you know, we want to try to branch out and let everybody know we're here to discuss your story and share your story. Um, we love that. So um, I do have another SLP story in the cooking in the back that I've kind of been waiting on because it was another um, MLM um, story. And so it's it's another um, SLP that, you know, I think has a different perspective and shares her story. And we'll go mm-hmm. down that at some point. Um, but I really, I feel like all of us need to be aware of what's the healthcare experience, not just the SLP experience, because there's a level of miseducation for all of us. So right, right, and that and that gives us. I already had an you know an incredible appreciation for nurses and CNAs and and everyone else that I've ever encountered and worked with in the skilled nursing setting, but even more so now. I mean, hearing Ed's story. It, <laughs> No way. <laughs> no way. It's unreal to me. <laughs> She's like, I'm not about that life. That's not, no, my no, boo. that's not my journey today. That is not my journey today. <laughs> that is not my journey. I like that. <laughs> and I know that I, I comfortably understand that. Um, and I wanted to just highlight it because we all think about our own experiences as something significant when the next door neighbor is also experiencing something really significant. So in healthcare in general, we're all struggling, um, yeah. whether it be in the pediatric environment, the adult environment, the medical environment, the school environment, the private practice, we all have our own struggles. So I want to talk about all those things and yeah. I will continue to offer education to people that are moving into the professional arena. In the and we, space. and we also need to be able to back each other up. You know, it, it no know, knowing what the ins and outs of what what our brothers and sisters in the in the healthcare realm go through, it helps us to back them up. You know, if if we see somebody mm-hmm. or hear someone, you know, about to get handsy or wordy with them. Exactly. Well, I want and to I I absolutely one thousand percent want to encourage anyone who feels moved or charged by this story to email at the miseducated SLP to DM at the miseducated SLP on Instagram. Um, we have our Facebook group, the miseducated SLP podcast. Please feel free to comment or not. It's up to you. I just want it to be something that you understand is available to you. We are providers just like you are. And we want to offer that. Although, you know, now I've become a recruiter. So God knows you might find my email in your inbox. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But even in that, it's because I wanted to make sure that everybody got paid for such a a hard uh, um, aspect of it. Like I want people to make money like I did during my career when I was a traveler. I want to offer what I received. So, I mean, even in that sense, like I think this show, this podcast is purely about support, education and offering. So I hope you take that on. Yes. Yes. Let's support each other. Let's, let's, let's try to push everyone forward. Absolutely. 
So we are signing off. I want to thank you for your time. I appreciate you returning. And I hope it was really something that you just were like, well, hell no, or something. (laughs) Yeah, something along those lines. (laughs) Um, But just know we're all struggling in this and we're doing it together. So anyway, thank you so much. You gonna say anything, girl? You gonna say bye? Oh, my bad, my bad. I thought you were signing us both off. (laughs) Everyone have an amazing rest of your week. Um, Bye, everyone. You have a great week. Bye.